we're talking about samsara and nirvana, right? And samsara and, and nirvana are the same insofar as their actual nature is uh, spacious. So then the characteristics are different, or the form it takes is different according to the delusion, right? So insofar as you're subject to delusion, you're in samsara. Insofar as you're not uh, subject to delusion, you're in nirvana. The nature of delusion, the nature of samsara, is that it's repetitive. It just keeps going around and around. And the key characteristic, of course, is that in samsara, because of the illusion, you're subject to suffering. And in nirvana, you're not subject to suffering because you're not subject to the delusion. It's pretty straightforward. So then, well, what do you need, or how do you get to enlightenment, you know, the, the nirvana? How do you get free from the samsara? How do you get free from the illusion? And they give you uh, these, uh, what is it, six? Uh, six keys. And the first key, of course, is that by nature, since samsara and nirvana are both, by their natures, uh, empty, uh, that's Buddha nature. So the fundamental nature of your being is Buddha nature. And then the basis for attaining the awakening is the precious human body because this is the only form that we know of that has the necessary requisites for the event. In other words, to make a baby, you need a, you need sperm and an egg, right? And you need an environment. So for a birth, you need a sperm, an egg, and an environment, a womb. So for awakening, you need a human being, as far as we know. And the condition, then, is you need someone to point it out to you because it's invisible, it's secret. When you get born, you get born into your six senses, your ear, your nose, your mouth, and so on, and your brain as a sense organ. And the brain as a sense organ simply means that which perceives. It doesn't mean your thinking mind. It simply means your mental perceptual mind as a sense organ. And so you're born with these things, and you don't have to do anything to get them. They're standard issue. It's like if you buy a car, you get the wheels. So you get a human body, you get the you get the senses, right? And you get the ignition and the engine, right? But you don't get your choice of color or, you know, uh, bucket seats or stereo or whatever, right? That's uh, extra. So the awakening, although it's inherent and you're being, it needs to be activated, like the Cylons. Mm-hmm. You, know, you need to you need to activate you need to activate the awakened potential and from that you have to hear it from somebody. Somebody. Help me. So that's the spiritual friends that we talked about, and we said the most important spiritual friend is the the spiritual individual, because they turn you on to it. However, the nature of having been turned on to it is one thing. The idea of maturing it is another, because the nature of your entire standard model is to oppose it. Why does the standard model oppose it, the awakening? Because it's not about you. I mean, it's a fundamental issue is that the standard model creates an ego. What switches on her switched off potential? Suffering. In other words, the suffering of being a human being, the suffering of being an animal, the suffering of being in the God realm, the suffering of being a jealous God, the suffering of the hungry ghost realm, and certainly the suffering of the hell realms, triggers the dissatisfaction with samsara. Once the dissatisfaction with samsara turns on, you look around for alternatives. If you have dissatisfaction with samsara, and it's intense, and you don't meet the awakened idea, what happens to you? You go insane. You commit suicide, you end up in hell, you end up at schizophrenic. It's not that not, um, if you have met the Buddha, it doesn't necessarily save you, because once you've met the Buddha, you've got to get to work. 
if you just kind of meet the Buddha and continue to be you, you'll still go insane. <laughs> you know, I mean, one form or another. Either intensely insane, like psychosis and schizophrenia, or just marginally insane, like you. What we call neurotic. So you remain basically neurotic, because fundamentally the suffering isn't intense enough. And the reason the, sensing, the, the suffering isn't intense enough for you is because you're not looking at it. Not clearly. You're drugging it out. Relationships, work, career, family, friends, activities. It's a form of a drug. You're in a drugged state, a dream state. And so the process of waking up the dream is trying to stimulate you to see the true nature of what you're attached to. That it's impermanent. That is subject to laws, that you can't ever own it, and then for that matter, that which owns it is a dream, and so on. So then you have the condition which is the Lama or the mentor, the spiritual guide, and their job basically is to try to wake you up. Your job is fundamentally to oppose it. I mean, I don't, that's, I'm not saying that should be your job, right? I'm just saying that's what you do. The nature of the ego opposes it because it sees the mentor as a parent. So whenever the mentor tries to wake you up, you kind of go, no, I'm going to be me. But you're not you. You're just a reaction to your previous mentors. Your previous mentors try to make you be asleep, and you agreed by fighting with them. For those of you that agree with your parents, you're asleep, and those of you fighting your parents are asleep, because you can't possibly either be in agreement or fight without ending up asleep. So then you have the different kinds of mentors, right? The specific individual. That starts you. And then the nature of the guru, the nature of the lama, the nature of the Buddha is really to point out blind spots. You don't need the lama to practice. You don't need the lama to do your uh, exercises. You don't need the lama to study. You don't need the lama to um, reflect or contemplate on the Dharma. That you can do on your own. Right? But what you can't do is you can't see your blind spot because the nature of a blind spot is that it is blind. And so the condition is the mentor. And then it's about the means, the methods. So in order to understand the means, you have to understand what the means... Like if the means are the medicine, what is the disease? The four diseases, the four impediments, right? Attachment, 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 and attachment. Whether it's to the experiences of this life, whether it's to well-beingness, whether it's to a sense of peace, live in the country, little house, little girl, little dog, little horse, whatever you got out there. And then the last attachment is an ignorance. The fundamental root of the problem is ignorance. Now, ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid. Ignorance means you're just not looking. And from that point of view, your neurosis is simply because you don't look past what you already know. This is the nature of the ego. The ego doesn't want to look past what it already knows. It wants to try to be happy with what it already knows. And you can get away with that just so long as you don't meet anyone who's less asleep than you are. So we hang out, don't we, with people who are more asleep than we are. Because then they won't point out where we're asleep. I think it's called, um, what's that movie where the, the the Americans are invading France in World War II, the Germans are leaving, there's a kind of a break in the middle, and the mental hospital, all the, all the people leave except the mental, they forget the mental hospital people. And they let the mental people, out, the mental people leave the hospital and take up roles of the townspeople. 
And when the Americans roll into town, they think they're dealing with the local townspeople, but they're dealing with all the mental patients. <laughs> What's the name of that movie? King of Hearts. King of Hearts. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Because fundamentally, the Buddha is the American army, the Germans are your parents, and you are the patient. All right. What's the antidote? What's the antibiotic? What's the anti-ignorac? The anti-ignorac. For attachment to the experience of this life, meditation on impermanence. Okay? So, we're going to today look at the meditation to overcome worldly well-being, the illusion, the attachment to worldly well-being. Of course, we want you to be well, but you can't tell a heroin addict that he's healthy, can you? Anyway, tonight we'll look at the attachment to well-being of peace. That's done through the meditation on love and compassion. What is truly peaceful? Truly peaceful life is not a nice little apartment necessarily, nice house, ba 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 ba. Peace is actually a heart of love and compassion. If your heart is in a state of love and your actions are based on helping people, you can't possibly not be in peace because their suffering and their problems and their pain and whatever they're doing to you isn't your problem. Their slings and arrows of outrageous fortune will not harm you. I have come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Work for it, guys, work for it. All right, then the last one is about how to do it. So far, we haven't even talked to you about how to do it. We're just trying to get you to do it. Oh, and lastly, by the way, this uh, one condition is three, means is four, and then five and six, and that's the results and the activity. So that's what you end up with, right? the results of Buddhahood and what a Buddha does. So by and large, the majority of the book is how to do it, how to do it. Teachers spend 90% of the time convincing you to do it. 90% of the time is talking to you about your families, your relationships, your jobs, your career, what you want to do, where you want to go. None of that has anything to do, particularly, with the actual practice of the path. It's mostly about getting you off your royal For more information, please visit clearskycenter.org. That's C-L-E-A-R-S-K-Y-C-E-N-T-E-R dot org. Thank you.